0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to an episode of Impactful Conversations, a platform to educate and inspire. My name is Tefadzan Dorben, and thank you for tuning in for the show. On this show, I interview and speak to individuals who are making a difference in their world, individuals who have a different way of thinking and are forming as leaders in their respective fields. I hope that you enjoy the episode, and I'd love to hear some of your feedback after listening to the episode, either by writing us a review. Or by heading over to the website, impactfulconversations.co.ca and heading over to the Contact Us section. Anyway, wherever you listen listening to this, I hope you sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Impactful Conversations, a platform to educate and inspire. I'm uh, thrilled and excited to be joined by an excellent guest today. But um, before I quickly introduce her, uh, firstly, I firstly want to thank you all as the listener community for your wonderful support for this platform. Uh, thank you so much for subscribing to you know the YouTube channel and the podcast. Um, if you haven't yet, I would encourage you to do that, um, and I would also encourage you to share it with your family and friends as well. And you know, uh, do get in touch with us to tell us how you're finding the platform. If this is your first episode, welcome to the community. Um, have a look at some of the past episodes. This is actually our. Uh, 23rd episode of the year so this is actually really awesome but anyway um, without much further ado I am joined by Alexandria Proctor and um, she is co-founder and chief executive of Dix Connect. and um, you probably have heard of them if, and if you haven't you will hear of them throughout this episode um, so that's a platform for off-campus student accommodation future of sustainable, uh, inclusive, and dignified co-housing um, for nine billion people. So they're going <laughs> they're absolutely going somewhere. They're going; they're going somewhere really fast. Um, it's also one. Of, yeah, it's one of the fastest-growing businesses of its kind on the planet, and has over fifty thousand beds in eleven in eleven cities in South Africa. So she studied a Bachelor of Science at the University of Cape Town. That's actually where the two of us met, um, and you know she also served as a student. Um, on the or she served on the student representative council before co-founding uh Dix-Kate. and she's also currently pursuing her private pilots license as well yeah. <laughs> flight club. So yeah, she's literally flying. Like she's literally <laughs> flying. Alex, thank you so much for joining me. Um how are you doing this morning?
1: Thanks, Tupper. It's so good to see you again and to be chatting again. Um this morning I'm doing fantastically. I'm a bit upset that's overcast because it's been a hell of a week, and I'm so looking forward to a weekend of sun and beach and hiking. And I'm looking outside and seeing grey clouds and just excuses for me to stay inside and work.
0: <laughs> well, um, I'm sorry about that, but the least we could do is, uh, is get a good start to the day throughout, throughout this chat. But... Um, Alex, thank you so much for, for joining me for this episode. Um, I'm really, really thrilled to have you here. But so I obviously, you know, know who you are. But you know, for those who don't, um, you know, we we like to typically start off by just you know discussing you know a quick summary of you know where were you born, you know where did you grow up, and where did you well, I told them that you attended uh, university at the university. But yeah, let us know where you were born and where you grew up.
1: So I was born um, in Port Elizabeth, not a very auspicious town. <laughs> it's very, as we all know, it's very laid back, very relaxed kind of place um, where shoes are always optional, <laughs> no, matter, no matter the event. <laughs> a board shorts are mandatory, and t-shirts. Uh, we'll see how we feel about it, you know. <laughs> so, p I mean, it's a lovely place to be born um, and spend your childhood because it is very laid back, and there's, you know, some lovely schools. And as I've now come to, to learn living in Cape Town, free parking, which, which really is quite nice. Yeah. Um, uh, it was a lovely town to grow up in and my whole family is still back there. Um, and then I went to boarding school in Gramsown. so I went to DSG and I think the, kind of the defining factor of most of my, uh, my youth, <laughs> most, <laughs> not feel like post 25, but my youth is behind me, but, um, the defining factor of most of those early days, um, Literally from grade one, I'd say, through to matric and then after matric, and I went traveling, um, was just like a, just being quite naughty. Like, I was pretty defiant. Um, I really did not like rules. I really did not like systems. Um, I, 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 I could not stand the idea of being boxed. So i telling me what to do, especially if it didn't make that much sense. Like, my worst thing is saying, you know, like teachers saying, you must, you must do it this way. And I'm like, well, why? Like, I don't want to do it like that. I want to do it like that. And they're like, the rules say you must do it like that. Like, well, who made the rules up? You know, the rule book was written, my school was like 150 years old. The rule was written like 65 years ago. It's stupid. Yeah. And then off to detention on Friday. So I think I, think I spent like, really most of my educational experience in detentions. I was the first person in the history of my school to go to detention in grade one. I was five years old in grade one, and I was already causing trouble. Yeah. <laughs> What on earth did you do in grade one to get sent to detention? <laughs> like, I, no, I was pretty, not looking back now. I was actually pretty rude. I was just, I was just defiant, you know. And I think, I think, I'm—I mean, a bit of like a person, sorry, But I'm just like, I have like a lot of passion, and passion is good if it's directed towards positive things. You know, if you direct passion towards, um, you know, building a company is exciting. If you're directing passion towards your career or towards an art or towards some sort of like, you know, expression or passion towards. Um, community service or doing good in your community. The passion is so important. Passion gives you energy. But when your passion is like destructive, you know, like let's say it's driven by anger um, or just, like, defiance for the sake of defiance, which I think it was for a lot of me, uh, a lot of my, a lot of like why I was so defined when I was younger, then, uh, you know, the, the, the roots were still good. I mean, like I look at the system and be like, this doesn't make sense. I don't like it. I want to change it. Yeah. Um, and because adults kind of just disregard the opinions of children and it's funny, you think that, you know, as you kind of get older, but still now, you know, my mid-20s, I often find my opinions are still being disregarded. You know, yeah. and South Africa being quite a patriarchal society, as a woman, also, your opinions are also still disregarded. So I feel like my whole life I've been trained on what it takes to, like, continually fight against the system, continually yeah. to fight. I'm actually so glad it was the fight, because yeah. everybody being sent to detention, being told to, like, toe the line, and refusing to toe the line, refusing to break that, built up this resilience in me. That now and I'm facing it in business, you know, and kind of I won't say we're in the corporate world, but I suppose in like I mean in South Africa, you know, the corporate and startups all kind of all kind of mesh together and just like the ecosystem or the economy. Um continually kind of brushing up against, you know, resistance, but actually being like, This is nothing. I've been doing this <laughs> for 15 years, you know. <laughs> Since you know, I can keep going. <laughs> so yeah, it was interesting, actually. You kind of look back and you hmm. see how all those, all those moments led to where you are right now in your life. You know, you look back and you see how, like, all the decisions uh, that you took, um, all the things that kind of happened to you, kind of, you know, made you who you are. And that making who you are is what informs you going forward. Mm. Um, and it's interesting—you look back and you kind of see the lessons that that wrought who you are now. And it's
0: all—it's all part of your story, right? It's—it's it's all really part of that—that that journey that you're that you're on. And so, you know, we—we we can. I, I just segue directly into one of your passions, which I know is, is entrepreneurship, right? Um, and I, I really am curious to know, like, was this was this always uh, was this always part of the plan? So you know, uh, and I'm, I guess we can even go back to the to the naughty grade one in detention, right? <laughs> was, this, was this always part of the plan of you know I'm I'm going to be an entrepreneur, or you know, did you ever sort of think of of that sort of conventional route? Of, I'm going to work for someone. I'm going to climb the corporate ladder. That
1: kind of stuff. <laughs> it's so funny you say that because I I didn't even know what entrepreneurship was until someone told me one day. I was not like, until like a year into Dix Connect, literally. I was like, they're like, what do you do? I'm like, oh yeah, I, I'm trying to like fix student housing. I'm trying to like fix housing in South Africa. And yeah. they're like, well, I mean, like I did like an NGO. I was like, no, no, I started this company. They're like, oh, so you're an entrepreneur? I'm like, what's? I mean, I always had heard the phrase before, you know, but I didn't. I didn't think it was me. I was like, that's. I mean, not a business person. I'm not, I'm not a business person. I don't wear, like, a suit. And I don't, like, I didn't do a commerce degree. Like, I, like, <laughs> what is this thing? I don't know anything about this. So it was definitely part of the plan. I didn't, I didn't know that. I just, I was just solving a problem. I just like solving problems. I just, I just can't stand inefficiency. I can't stand, like, injustice. And I can't stand, like, things just happening. You know, that, that adage always say that, Um, it's a bit dramatic, but, you know, evil happens when good people fail to speak. And I feel like a less dramatic version of that is that, like, inefficiencies perpetuate and you kind of step in and, and change it and like we're not you know we're not victims of circumstance you know as like thinking and like conscious human beings <clears throat> the future is just what we decided it's. you know the future is what we build it to be right now like we look on the world and but first of all the world is beautiful I mean I feel like overwhelming gratitude um just you know for being alive and 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 how extraordinary it all is but on the other hand you can say it could always be better always can be better like there's there's, there's there's okay there's good there's excellent and there's a point beyond excellent and we should continue to be striving for that when we think about the kind of society you want to have you know the kind of world you want to get to like it's just a matter of doing it you know it's just a matter of actually like committing to that i mean like we're going to build this um and so that's what it kind of was this idea of like you know what kind of world do you want really like when you go to sleep at night and you're thinking about this ideal world or when you feel confronted by injustice or you're confronted by pain or you're confronted by like this feeling the world is too big and I how do I solve this problem like what is that world you want and then literally it's just a matter of like breaking it down into like smaller steps and even takes you 50 years to get to that that's that's beautiful that's a lifetime and that's a meaning thing you can do I mean what else are you gonna do with your time you know like watch Netflix (laughs) there's something that moves like there's this yeah. part about humanity that moves you. You know, there's something that really like appeals to you. And if you can align that with like a natural gift you have, like some people are very organized, some people are very um creative, some people are very whatever it is. If you can align whatever your natural inclinations are, and some people are very studious towards a problem, something you really want to change, this is not just being like, this one I get to. and five years, ten years, fifty years, whatever it is, this I'm gonna get there, break it down <clears throat> and just start working towards that. <laughs> and I think that's kind of you know that was kind of the journey where it starts i mean i i had vague plans um, when, when i was younger i was too busy just being destructive <laughs> to kind of to kind of get anywhere else i was yeah i was just too busy you know you kind of you born we're all born to these systems you know which is which is beautiful in one regard like it's beautiful that we have civilizations and structures and healthcare systems and education systems and insurance so that if something goes wrong we can get like it's there's a reason for it and it works and it's great we can we can sustain mostly sustain a very large population and make sure people mostly live good lives and things are getting better for example the proportion the global proportion of people living in poverty is hard over the last 20 years which is phenomenal so things are getting better and 3d systems we can generally like we, we can progress but that being said too like systems fundamentally attack the idea of self-discovery sometimes and self-worth like when you're part of a system you're seeing a class in a, in a row of people you know like you know deck number 17 that's yours and your, your name identity your your uniqueness yeah. your, your journey of like the kind of the more that the unsystematized part of being of being human kind of is taken from you in regard like i've been on a big journey lately to kind of understand what it means to be a woman you know this journey from like being a girl to being a woman and like that, that like that womanhood journey i mean like so much of, yeah, of like system, of system, of systems kind of robbed that from you, you know. So, yeah, when I was younger, it was, it was, um, no, no plans really. I think I think the only plans I had was how can I just, how can I just like make things better? Like I looked at the system, I didn't like it. It wasn't necessarily even like trying to do good for everyone else. You know, at school, you kind of, your world is constrained to yourself and, and your community. You know, it's, it's everyone at your school. Um and especially when you're younger, you start growing up, you become more self-aware of, you know, of the broader context the city you're in, you know, the country you're in, the world you're in, the, the places around the world. Of course, we grew up on the internet and, you know, I remember I had my first blog, I think when I was 14. <laughs> and I started, like, watching the news and I'd blog about, like, I don't know, saved our fur and <laughs> issues like that. Um, and I just kind of wanted to change things. And I think, I think more than anything, I just felt a desire to kind of just, to want to have enough influence to stop things that that I think needed to stop and to start things you need to start. So yeah. like when confronted by justice or by a stupid rule or by something that didn't make sense, I'll be like, How can I change this? And yeah. of course some authority would just say no. I mean, yeah. I eat no for breakfast. <laughs> That's been happening since I was five. Like people, yeah, they love saying no. It's actually my favorite. Someone says no, like, I'm gonna enjoy so much proving you're <laughs> and I should just let go of that. But I, as soon as I have proof someone wrong, I have like a little moment to myself. I'm just like, that's another one ticked off the list. But you know, someone authority will say to you, "No, you, you can't change this thing." Or, "No, you have to obey this rule because of you know some you know obscure reason." And I'm like, "Okay, hey, cool. Let's get to the root of this. Let's you know, understand who made this rule, who's popping it up, why is the authority in this? Why do we believe in this authority?" And kind of digging like deeper and deeper into this. Um, and I, what I kind of started getting led to when I was younger, actually, was politics. Um, I felt yeah. that, especially somewhere in like South Africa, I was like, like good governance and good leadership was essential, and like logical, rational leadership. So I was really drawn towards that. Um, and I used to tell, I used to tell my teachers to the absolute horror that I was going to become president when I was in junior school, because of course this is the girl who's in detention every month. I was one sort of carving like. I don't know, like, like, anarchy symbols into, like, the desks at school, I yeah. on <laughs> stage protests merging break time,
0: and it was like, Alex, Alex the politician, right, I mean, that, that obviously became a, a reality at some point, um, and I'm curious, you know, so, so you, you know, segue. Into you know student representative council, which in mm-hmm. inherently is a political sort of position, yeah. And you you channelled that that energy mm-hmm. of I, and okay, firstly, you know the question that you asked is such a powerful question. It's a simple question, but it's such a powerful question of how do I how do I change the world? How do I make the world better? Mm-hmm. It's such a simple question, but it's a really powerful question because there's multiple places we can make the world better and you know actually I, I'm of the belief that each and every single one of us can make the world better in somewhere <laughs> but Alex the politician how did that come about and 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 you know as you rightly say so you know did you ever consider a life in the public sector um and I, I guess you know <laughs> A life of, you know, one day in, in you know, maybe five to ten years' time, Alex the President. I, 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 I...
1: <laughs> in the union buildings.
0: <laughs> what, went, what went through that sort of thought process?
1: So just to touch on something you said about, you know, anyone can make a difference. I could not agree more. There's a thing that Martin Luther King says that I really like. Um, anyone can be great because anyone can serve. Yeah. And I think about that a lot. Because um, that's what it is. Like you know, all that anger and defiance I had against the system, like, it can drive you short, but it can drive you so far, and there comes a point where that's not enough, and you need something deeper, and that is, like, the deep, deep, inherently humanness of, like, looking after other humans, and being with other humans, being a voice for other humans, like, when you uplift other people, leaders make more leaders, you know, when you uplift other people, when you look at people struggling, and you're like, I can help them, and, you don't have to be a billionaire, you don't have to be this, I don't know, super powerful person to do it. There is something you do, an opportunity, a lesson, um, giving someone a book sometimes even, you know, like someone, someone like wants to lend me a book and change, like, you know, the way I look at the world or just being there with someone or, you know, one person or, you know, how can you unlock, you know, value for that? And so absolutely, absolutely, not only can they, they should, you know, yeah. we have beautiful privilege, and it is a privilege, because we have to guard it. We have a privilege of living in a democracy in a free country, and we have to uphold that every single year. And that means that not only do we have the right, we have the responsibility to uphold that. And that means that we're all responsible for the future. Like, we are tied to each other as, like, you know, this this Western thinking of, like, we're all individuals. I mean, it's important we are individuals and individualism, but also, like, we're a community. You know, and, like, it is impossible to, like, think that your actions don't affect everyone else, for good and for worse. So every time you decide to do something, there is ripple effects. So it's, like you can make this compound good if you just decide to do that. And it is, okay. it is absolutely in everyone's everyone's plate to do this, everyone's, everyone's ability and everyone's responsibility to do this. So you're completely right. Like, if anything, if anything, I just want my actions to be, you know, the words, and actions, everything that exists for just to be a catalyst to inspire people, to be like, actually, you know, I've been thinking about this thing I want to do for a while. I'm going to start today. You don't have to launch your business tomorrow, but you can start. You know, you can get that first thing off the ground. If you just look, there's this beautiful mathematical thing I saw it's like 1.01 to the power of like 365 oh, and yeah. it's, a tiny bit everything I promise you it will get you there like a It'll tiny bit yeah it's
0: completely transformation it's
1: that you know and so the political thing um, yeah I think well I mean like obviously I, I'm I'm good I talk a lot <laughs> I'm quite chatty I'm I'm, a boss. I'm very passionate um yeah. I I'm uh, I'm very extroverted and outspoken. Um, my my business partner calls me the foghorn because I've got a loud voice and I just I just never shut up, to be honest. Uh, I give my opinion whether it's asked or not asked. <laughs> and so I did debating like, my whole life. Um, and it just kind of happened naturally. You know, I, 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 I find that I just... I, I don't... Yeah, I, I just... Uh, when this situation and people are unsure of what to do, what the next steps are, I would just find it natural to be like this is what we're going to do clearly we're going to do this this is the path we're going on let's give it a shot yeah um and it kind of I just naturally just assumes the like uh, the direction i mean of, of how we should go things so it kind of just made sense that when people are unsure, i was never really unsure obviously you're taking into consideration you shouldn't make arrogant or uninformed decisions but you know you have to be informed but also yeah. like you, just, you can't be you can't be stymied by fear, you know. Can't be stymied by like, I don't know, an uncertainty. At the end of the day, you think the best call and back yourself and the courage, convictions, being like, I am the right person to make this decision right now. Um, my intentions are good. If your intentions, I think, are good, you honestly want to have a net good for people. Um, you want to push progress. Yeah. Then you know, make those decisions, lead forward. you know, and follow that process. So you know if you're good. And then just have like checks and balances so you know if the path you've taken isn't the right path. You know, just correct as you go. But you just have to mm-hmm. keep moving forward, you know, and I found that I could just kind of make those calls quite quickly um, and I kind of hone my judgment because I think judgment is a skill like anything else in life and you can kind of hone your judgment over time. So if you're yeah. making judgment calls, you kind of learn how to recreate situations where you can make the right judgment calls. Like What kind of information do I need in order to, to make a decision that will lead to favorable outcomes? And it's kind of getting us whatever goal we're trying to achieve here. Yeah. So politics, yeah, you know, I, I enjoy politics. I, I think, you know, democracy is this beautiful... It's this beautiful experiment that we've been running for the last, you know, 2,000 years in various films. And it's the best thing we have. Yeah, sure, it's flawed. You know, capitalism is sure it's flawed. But it's the best thing we have. Yeah. Um, and we keep iterating on it, just like any other thing, You know, any other thing, though, we iterate on it. We're trying our best. And, and as more people, you know, as literacy rates soar around the world and as more women become empowered, you um, and we march towards greater human rights, greater access to human rights is important. Human rights on paper mean nothing unless people actually have access to them, which is important. And we talk mm-hmm. about our great constitution, how many people have access to that constitution? Yeah. So, um, you know, as we kind of move towards greater equality, greater literacy, greater greater freedoms, um, democracy is the, the potential. It's really kind of to like, unravel. So, yeah, I love the idea of, of harnessing and, and kind of, like, harnessing the collective power of, of a civilization to be, like, let it and something greater. The sum of the parts... Uh, the whole is greater than some of the parts, you know. or oh, I'm I'm saying it wrong, saying it terribly, but you know what I mean. Like yes, the whole yeah. is greater than the individual parts. Yes, yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean like that, yeah. And <laughs> when we come together, we can do extraordinary things. Like that's why I started flying planes because I mean, if you think if you went back five years and you went to let's say the heights of of scientific, you know, the university 1,000 years ago, people that were absolutely most educated, you said, um. In 500 years, we are gonna be flying planes. We're gonna be on rockets. We're gonna to go to the moon. 50 years ago, 60 years ago, um, and now we're actually reusing rockets. They land. They come back and land again. Yes. Like yes. they'll be like, get out of town. You know? Witchcraft. We're burning you. <laughs> yes, yeah, It'll like, you know? like when human beings come together and we're like, we're gonna do this thing. You know, a dead casey. We're going to the moon because it is hard you know, we're going to do this thing, we're going to come together, like, we can unlock this ability, like, if you set a goal, if you have a, if you've inspired a team, a country with the right goal, we're going to do this, because it is our human nature to do this, because it is the right thing to do, because it's extraordinary to do, you can harness this collective power of, like, a massive group of people, what I think about all the time is, like, the number of South Africans right now that are living in poverty, Hmm. and I'm just, like, not only is it horrible and like and heinous and you know degrading people but also like what a waste for our country that these are human beings this is like these are conscious minds yeah. and and the potential is just not being tapped into you know like people that are human beings which you know when their consciousnesses are not active and people are educated housed fed um, taken care of you know that basically taken care of they can just they can just contribute to society in those extraordinary ways you can't even imagine. I mean, they can be creating art or music or films or businesses or science or, you know, discovering things. The person who's going to cure, you know, the next massive pandemic, the person who's going to cure, you know, cancer, the person who's going to, you know, unlike a, a better form of energy, energy harnessing, is alive right now, always going to be born. It's just a human being being born. So we have to care for people make sure that they are taken care of. And the yeah. fact that most of the people in our country right now, like, are like are kind of excluded from being a part of this innovation just because they're stuck in poverty cycles. It just frustrates me. not only because it is like, it's there's, there's the degradation of the human rights, but also because we're holding ourselves back as a country, civilization. Like, <clears throat> we're not tapping into those, like, the, the resources of, like, those human minds yeah. and letting them actually work. Like, human beings working is the biggest thing in the world. Like, getting people, because work isn't the idea of, like, toil. People shouldn't be doing monotonous tasks. They should be thinking. They should mm. be thinking about problem solving, because that's what we do. Like, that's why machines are great in terms of, you know, like everyone's like worried about machines taking on jobs. Machines should be doing monotonous, boring jobs because humans shouldn't do that. Humans should be thinking, creating, problem solving, Look at things complicated. I mean, like what's the creative solution? What's the original thought here? You know, how do I like overcome this? And so that's like the thing I try to draw also is like what can the work I do to, again, like unlock this compound value? Um, and politics is kind of like, okay, it's like it's, it's just a very high level way of like removing inefficiencies, getting the right people on track so we can kind of move towards this goal we're going to get to and take mm-hmm. big steps. So kind of moving towards that slowly, um, I wasn't super sure. Part of me also wanted to be a revolutionary. <laughs> I was a diehard communist when I was 16. Um, I remember I was, I, was, I, mean, I was terrible. I used to wear this like, red hat and everything. <laughs> and one of my, dead, my my dad's friends, he said to me, because um, I gave him this whole speech of communism and, and everything, and I was like, it's the way, it's the people and everything. Yeah. And he said, how old are you? And I was like, I'm 16. And he said, you know, if you're not a communist when you're 16, you haven't got a heart. But if you're not a capitalist when you're thirty, you haven't got a brain. And I was like, nah, 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 none of that. You're just heartless. I'm gonna be coming forever. by the time I was 21, let me tell you, I was a capitalist. Yeah, I think I think politics. You know, it's kind of like you know, you know, I can talk a lot about this. But kind of, you know, the rest of the story, but short to get to the point, is just that. I think. Politics is important, you know, democracy is important, the systems are important, but it's it's very slow. It is it is painfully slow. Like you look at the good work that Barack Obama did in eight years' office, he's brilliant. It took years and it took years for it to kinda of come into effect. You know, it's a very slow moving beast. It's like yeah. it's lumbering and it's massive, and you do get change, but it's slow. Whereas and I you know which I hate systems, and like even though you're trying to work towards something better, like this idea of bureaucracy and following the rules, I was just like, yeah. nah. I'm
2: like nah. So yeah.
1: I kind of yeah, thinking about it now, like, you know, being able to take startups, it, it kind of, it actually was perfect, you know, again, like the stars kind of aligned, it's, it's this absolute rejection of a system, you're supposed to hold your, like, the root of this is disruption, you're supposed to look at the system and be like, These are, the system's stupid, I can make it better, you know, I can do it faster, more efficiently, um, uh, more cheaply, you know, which is important, Yeah. Um, and I can provide value, a massive value, and especially in South Africa, like, people aren't just, balling, okay, some people are building companies for the sake of, you know, making money, but I find that you know our generation of entrepreneurs, we're building companies to make change. You know, yes. even when we hire, like if you're trying to compete the best talent in this country, and you're bringing on now, it's kind of the employees are uh, interviewing you instead of you interviewing them. And the question is, yeah. what do you do? Like, why should I? Why should I spend the next, you know, the, the, the better part of my of my youth at this company opposed to another company? And yes. you have to convince them the work you're doing is meaningful. Because I think yes. millennials and Gen are looking for meaning. Yes. Um, and so. I think literally by by starting up um, companies that are kind of like socially aligned, like social entrepreneurs, that have like a development initiative and development, especially in Africa is important, you can affect such massive change so quickly. You yes. know, and the great thing is that like, there's no silly rules to follow. At the end of the day, it's like, is there value being created? If yes, you will succeed. If there's no value, there's no value being created, you won't succeed. So it's just a simple matter. It's, it's quite harsh because... You just you're continually being reminded that like you need to just kind of keep up and you're running as fast as you can, but sometimes it's not fast enough, so you have to keep going like a bit faster. Um, but it's just a way to just do massive amounts of good on a really big scale, as fast as you possibly can, by kind of not not flouting the rules, but being like you know, being like actually let's let's relook at the rules. Let's make better rules, you know, let's make rules that actually make sense. Let's mm. kinda of like look at everything. Mm. Um, which is just, I think it's just so enjoyable. Like, I honestly think that if you want to affect huge changes in South Africa right now and across Africa, then starting a company um, is, yeah, you can just have, like, way more immediate effect than you would through politics. And also because you're dealing directly with people. Like, we're dealing with tens of thousands of students, many of whom are the, are the first in their in their family to go to university. Yes, We take them directly. You know, we're actually, like, we're seeing someone who's come from a place where, like, you know, they, first you go to university, they don't know what's going to happen to them, they, they might have gotten scammed by, you know, like a dodgy landlord from somewhere else before, um, or they, you know, would end up dropping out, the job rate's really high because they weren't living in a really good place, and they're kind of taken advantage of, but we can kind of like insert ourselves and stop that from happening, and make sure that one other kid is getting across that finishing line graduating, you know, enjoying the workforce and becoming economically enabled. Um, mm. We're not really influencing that, as opposed to politics, you're kind of like three steps removed. Yes. Um which I also didn't like, and also a career politicians, so, like I feel like you have to be in the system to kind of to claim the authority to govern the system. Like you have to have felt the pain of paying tax and knowing that it's not being spent most efficiently, you know? Yeah. You
2: have
1: to have mm. seen the efficiencies, you know, being stuck in to kind of claim and be like, okay, cool, I go away, I'm doing it better. But people who go straight from varsity to politics, I don't know. I, I don't see how they, they can claim to have the authority to, to govern people that are actually working. They haven't actually walked a mile in their shoes.
0: I get you, I get you,
1: and so
0: you you're obviously sharing a, an incredible amount of knowledge here right um an incredible amount of insight and um, you know, and actually so curious if we had to if if I am a listener who is an i don't want to say an entrepreneur if I'm a listener who wants to start something um who wants to start something that can effect better change in in the world. Um, what would you say are the three three keys to doing that? Um, and coupled with that, I'm curious, you know, do you read a lot? Um, where do you get your knowledge? That's what i <laughs> sounds like an existential question it's like where
1: it's like what is knowledge
0: where does it come from um, what do you what is it that you sort of regularly consume that you know shapes your your frame of mind i know that's a loaded question but <laughs> it's it's an important question nonetheless
1: um so i think i saw the same question first and then go to the the first question, um, just mm-hmm. because I like to break the rules. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so what are you do I, I reading is my favorite thing in the whole world. I love it. I I've, you know I, I don't know say, I also write. I write short stories. Oh. Um, I'm okay. a budding fiction writer. I I don't know if I'm very good. I my my work has all been rejected. I I got a personalized rejection letter from the New Yorker um, about two weeks ago saying no. <laughs> I haven't said stop sending it. So I'm gonna keep sending it. Well that's well that's their loss,
0: right? I mean that, that that's their loss. It <laughs> it's, it's always rejected until the first acceptance comes I in.
1: I mean, literally. So yeah, anyway, yeah, so I I, I I love literature, I love it. Um one of my favourite memories growing up is my dad loves books too. I think he passed his love of literature on to me and um he, he loves his books. So he really hard not seen them much, but when I would come home sometimes in the evenings I'm still awake, he would bring me like a new book almost every like two weeks. Um, and it's how we would kind of engage because he's not very emotional. Um, he's very kind of like emotionally, like I mean, like like most most of our fathers, you know, in this generation who are in their fifties and sixties, they're completely detached from their emotions. You know, <laughs> it's like let's talk about our feelings. <laughs> <laughs> nah, <laughs> but how we would, I'm very emotional, so <laughs> it always makes our engagement quite interesting. But how we would kind of. How he would, because um, yeah, my dad's been absolutely incredible. He's been one of the best fathers I could have asked for. He's been amazing. But and how we would, how we connected when I was younger was through literature and books. So give me a book, and and he would, I knew that he'd expect me to kind of give like my feedback on it. So I had to read, and really understand, and analyse, and he'd always ask, okay, why do you think that? Or you know, and wouldn't even be like, I mean, I wasn't exactly reading War and Peace when I was like nine years old, but it'd be like, even though it was just like a, uh, you know, I was reading like a roll doll, you know. Um, or I started reading like Lord of the Rings and I was younger, you know, why didn't the characters did this, what do you think about this, or what do you think of this scene, so it got me critically thinking at a very young age about things, you know, so it kind of exposed you to a new world, and I mean, even to this day, I, I absolutely love like, my ideal weekend, is just like reading, I love it, like nights in, during like going to the coffee shop in the day, just reading and everything, I love fiction, I'm busy reading um, The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexandre Dumas, I really like French authors. I'm a big fan. Just mm-hmm. um, like a wide scope of like the canon. And like, you can even just start like Googling like most influential books, the books about this. And I really love like adventure stories where like, you know, the hero's journey and it's one of my favorite books. And so read constantly. Um, I'm also like, I wouldn't say I'm, I would say I'm like non-social. Like I have my friends and I absolutely adore them. But if someone asked me the other day, you know, like how often do you see your best friend? And I was like, yeah, like often, like once every three months. Like, all the time like I chatted to her like at least three weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of realized that's probably not super normal yeah. uh, I really enjoy my own company a lot I really enjoy reading um, I, I've, I've been obsessed with National Geographic Magazine since I was a child I have stacks of the magazines I'm, I'm, a, I'm a paying member <laughs> I even have like a little membership card <laughs> uh, I love the idea of, like, the frontiers of, like, where humans have gone to. And, you know, Graphic represented the frontiers of where humans have gone to. And I I, I love that. I love reading about people that have gone very far and brought this knowledge back for everyone else. So I read constantly everything. Um, Amazing. Yeah. I, I, fiction, nonfiction. Um, I had a mentor for a bit, a business mentor, and he would constantly give me audiobooks to listen to on business, which helped a lot. And been mm. good books refer to other good books. So you kind of just you know, kind of keep going. Um, and it's wonderful. It's wonderful to kind of give you perspective, I think, especially especially this year. I mean, she's just been in, in an anxiety-inducing year, I think, for everyone. Yes. And when things feel very stressful, and things feel very tense, and the world feels very scary. Um, and you're like, this is so overwhelming. I think dropping into literature, dropping into, like, the, the, the store of human knowledge. I mean, we've got thousands of years of human knowledge that's yes. the beauty of the involved in 2020. We've got thousands of human knowledge. People have been through some hectic stuff. Love. And mm. kind of reading what people have survived and what they've thrived through, like it just reminds you that like we are a resilient, you know, species. We are uh, we have overcome so much and we have overcome adverse. That's what we do, you know? Mm. Um, and dropping into that and reading that again and just revisiting, you know, the you know, the, the whole kind of sweep of history, but also just individual stories, you know, like kind of one person, what they went through. Um, it's very hectic but a book I would which which kind of gave me a lot of perspective is Meninx um, Search for Meaning uh, by Viktor Frankl it's very intense but you read people that have lived through some of the worst experiences a human can live through and, and kind of how it shaped their psyche and you realise that it's just a matter of perspective so many of these things mm. um, so definitely read consistently yeah, I absolutely love it and you also also read I mean you can read also the hectic stuff like I, I do enjoy Dostoevsky a lot um, and you can read like you know like the the fancy literature terms and you'd be like, oh, I read Dostoevsky and everyone in Cape Town's like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so like, drop at a dinner party, all <clears throat> <laughs> the Cape Town hipsters lose their mind, you know. <laughs> and you yeah. was comparing, like, yes, but what is good and bad? But mm-hmm. also, even just, like, all these stories, like, that just kind of, it just kind of shares, like, a human experience with you. I'm trying to think of, like, a book, like, one of my favorite books of all time, Shantaram. Mm. Like, it's not going to change the world the story of a, of a of this Australian man who was a heroin addict um and he kind of was in prison and he escaped and, and ran away to to India mm. but it's a beautiful story about perseverance about heartbreak and about like the choices we make in life you know and regrets and betrayal and uh, it's just but also perspective I mean what is what is what is Mumbai like in, ni- in the 1970s you yeah. know so it's yeah always always read it. I love it it's my favorite <laughs> it opens up
0: it opens up your world it, right? it opens world. up your, your perspective because you and i think there's there's a there's a real quality that you get um that you develop within yourself from from the act of reading um in the sense of you know you you become open to to actually consuming knowledge and to yeah. to almost inadvertently listening to yeah. people's you know stories and and what they've learned and what they've been through and you know how much or, you know, how certain people well, you have know, unlocked their potential in, in those circumstances as well.
1: But also compassion. I think, like, I think one of the best, oh, one of the best, best things in human beings, that I try to cultivate a lot, is, like, kindness. I love kindness and compassion. And I think, like, when you expose yourself to other people's stories, like, you feel compassion. That's the thing is that, like like, like politicians, and, like, everyone's all trying to divide us and say, like, you know, People fit into these little categories, groups, divisions, whatever, and like I don't know. There's like this inherent, like we have this humanity that when you just see like another human being, like there's this core. How does that, like, you know, across the world, everyone watched Titanic and everyone had their heart broken when Jack went down to the bottom. Everyone across, it doesn't matter which country you're from, like everyone felt that, you know, that's our humanity. Or like you know, the first time you learned that people went to the moon, you know, we launched a rocket, or you watch you watch you know SpaceX launching rockets, everyone feels it's of wonder, like. Across right. the world, There's a, that's our humanity. And that's, I, I try to, like, stay very close to, you know, this, like, that core of compassion where yeah. you can see people and I'm a naturally quite, like, angry person. And, like, like it's easy to get, like, you know, get angry, or, like, especially when you're like, talking about politics, talking around anything that's kind of like the stakes are quite high and, and passions flare up. Um, but you really drop down to the compassion again, you know. I think, I think what, what stories and what literature does, it kind of reminds you of, like, the, the humanness behind it. Everyone you see, like, has this complicated life of relationships and dreams and hopes and, like, and parts of despair and, like, I'm trying to figure out their way, what it means to be a good human being in the world, you know. And, mm. and sometimes, you know, you you can joke around or you can push each other, push really like, you know, let's you know, let's push further, let's be better, let's compete. And other yeah. times, you can be like, hey, dude, it's pretty weird that we're on this rock spinning through space. <laughs> like, how are you doing? How's your day going? You know? Yeah. It's it's just that, that that interplay of like compassion and competitiveness, um, and I think that yeah we just mustn't forget our like that humanity in, in progress. Because I'm always I mean I'm re- again I'm a diehard capitalist. I love Ayn Rand. I believe mm-hmm. in progress. I believe in pushing hard. I believe in meritocracy. But with that, just I think to never forget that that root of kindness and humanity and compassion. Yeah, stories um, always, always give you that. You know, you you watch a really good film and you just leave and you're like, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think that's all art. I think art does it. Art. Goes to places where where you know other things can't. It kind of it does that humanness of it. Um, yeah. So let's take your first question. Try so answer that quickly. Um,
0: yeah. So so the three keys to to starting something meaningful, I, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's how I actually actually frame it as that. You know, three keys. You have to give three keys to starting something meaningful.
1: Only three Oh, not? <laughs> <laughs> cool. You can give more. Yeah, let me, you know, you're right, I should, you know, it's it's good. Um, the limitations are good for the creative process. You we'll have to think around these limitations. I think the three most important things when starting something, it depends what you, okay, if, first I'd say is, I'd say, first I'd say it's mindset, get your mindset right. Um, you have to just like, Commit yourself to this completely Understand. Get your mindset right to be like, okay, cool. This is what I'm going into right now. You have to like, just acknowledge it's going to be difficult. It's going to yeah. be really difficult. Um, you have to acknowledge that you need to be resilient. You have to yeah. just keep trying again and again and again. So this is like your mindset thing. Um, you have to be prepared to like, just work at it all the time to problem solve. to think very clearly and very cleverly about it. So get your yeah. mindset right. First of all, I'd say like really commit yourself mentally don't like half-ass it being like, nah, kind of like get your mind space right. Once you've got your mindset right and you're like, I can do this, I'm equipped to do this, I am the most competent person to do this, that's important. Mm. So that's mindset is important. <clears throat> Next is really framing the problem clearly. What exactly are you doing? Like get absolutely clearly there, like clear mm. on that. What is the problem statement? Uh, what is you know the problem that you're trying to solve? what exactly, like write it down in a line. If you can't do it in a line, like, I know things are complicated and all, but write it down simply. What are you trying to solve? Um, yeah. And just get very, very clear on that. And that's actually what, the mistake i made. disconnect is that like, I knew for getting very clear I was going to do it. Like we're doing, we're solving student housing. But yeah. along the way, I got so distracted. And the only recently the last like six months I brought back to me, like it's actually about focus. So yeah. don't get distracted by other stuff. Pick your like, frame the problem very clearly. Um, so that's, you know, it just, you just know exactly what you do. Because then when you write down your solution to that, here's the problem, here's the solution, you can very clearly have the strategy to get there. Because if you don't actually know, then, you, you know, You mean, like, then even if you have the resilience, it's going to get exhausting, you know, if you don't have a very clear thing of what you work towards. It's also nice to know when you've gotten there. Um, mm-hmm. Even, like, micro tasks. I mean, like, we often build out features, uh, and we just go so fast. it wouldn't actually have to stop and be, like, Okay, we've gotten it. This is the point. Let's stop. Let's acknowledge it. Let's move on. So, framing it clearly so you know what you're doing, so it's actually it's doable, is the next thing I'd say. Mm. And then the third thing I'd say so you got your mindset right, you frame the problem properly. Mm. The third thing I'd say if you want to solve a problem or do a thing mm-hmm. is this is like somewhat silly, but like, does it give you joy in your life? Like is it something you like understand that. Is it something that you want to do to your life? Because you have to find that middle ground. On the one hand, like I do believe in service for, you know, for, for humanity, service your community, service society, service your country. I do believe that selflessness is good, you know, do good things. But on the other hand, chances are we have one life, you know, and this is it for you. And if you kind of think about the hours in your life, probably gonna die between, you know, eighty or hundred and you know how much time you have and and there's definitely a joy to be had in service and working hard, but also like, is this something that will inherently give you joy in your existence? Do you feel like it's your passion? Do you feel like you will be delighted by doing it? Because like you're not gonna wake up every day and be like skipping out the door and be like, Yeah, I've got two hundred, 100 emails, you know, woo, or like I've got this like slog of just very uninspiring work to get through this week, but next yes. week's gonna be holiday, yeah, but you're mm. not talking about every day, but inherently does this thing give you like deep joy? You know, it does it align with who you are as a person? Like like for example, I am um, I'm very energetic. I love to do a lot of things. I love to be involved in a lot of stuff. I love to kind of be dealing with everything. I if if you know, someone told me I was be an accountant, and if being an accountant would meet those other two criteria, I would veto it for the third because I could never be an accountant if I just sit down and just crunch numbers all day. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, just no. All the no's. <laughs> so, I mean it's finding something that really speaks to what makes you happy and gives you joy as a person. I mean another thing is I really enjoy being outdoors. Like it's important to me okay. that I can go swim in the ocean at least once a week, that I can go be on the mountain. Um and having you know the flexibility where my life obviously like some days you have to work really hard. If you've got two three months, you work really hard, but just make sure that your life is happy, and sustainable because like burnout is real, and especially when you do something big in the world, it's not going to do. It's not going to be a two, three-year project. You're looking at something big. Well, I mean, also it's, it depends on what you're doing, but you're committing years and years, decades into this. Yeah, um, you want to make sure that you're essentially happy. You know, happy with those small things that it's giving you joy. You're the work you're doing is work that aligns to who you are as a human being. So, those are the three things I would say.
0: Yeah, that's that's extremely that's extremely powerful. I think you know when when we actually begin to frame the problem we that's an empowering process because that actually defines exactly you know that actually leads you to your solution in terms of you know which often isn't something that we have to figure out it's often something that we already sort of know we just have to clarify it we just have to sort of you know harness it throughout so that was really really powerful thank you for for sharing that we've we've started off really deep okay We've gone quite uh existential, quite quite deep. I-, I loved it. That's amazing. So we we can uh sort of turn it down slightly. Um and I want us to talk Yeah, okay, about Digs Connect. We're gonna segue into Dig's Connect in a moment. But um you know before we before we talk the serious stuff, I actually want us to, to talk a bit about, you know, something which I think if anybody knows Dig's Connect it's it's because of your marketing and because of, you know, some of your your campaigns. I, I've had the privilege of being a part of, uh, you know, quite a quite a number of them and, and having seen and witnessed them, uh, some of them in person. Um, so you've done a couple of, you know, quote-unquote crazy campaigns. Um, <laughs> where, you know, you kind of, you know, if you're, if, if you're at UCT, you're walking on, like, the the, the – the next to next to the plaza, you know, you walk in, and somebody's like, "Yeah, did you see those guys that did this, that, this, that? That was crazy." <laughs> it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy, but you're talking about them right now, <laughs> so actually, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, the, you know, there's a method, method to the to the madness, as it were. Um, top three marketing campaigns that uh, you've done, or marketing events that you've done. I know that's hard. Because I actually <laughs> think they're all, you know, sort of excellent. Um, but I'm actually curious if you had to to branch them into top three. Um,
1: you know, see, marketing is so much fun. Like this is the part of the company that I, because you can just, I mean, we just literally the marketing. Like you can, you can be so creative, we can be so wild. Well. We haven't done marketing in a while, uh, just yeah. because our focus as a company has been really because we built up the brand. Um, yes. We did high impact stuff in the earlier, built the brand, got the traction, and then we kind of directed all our focus from like from, from budgeting to just to focus do everything into product. So everything goes into product, which is really fun getting it right. But I mean the explosions of marketing I, I do miss it a lot. So I'm hoping that next year you can pick it up again as we go um, expand more restrooms into new markets. Yeah. But yeah, no, we had a lot of fun. <laughs> I think my top marketing campaign that we think Connect has done has to be the dig Soul campaign dig Soul 2020 mm. that was wild so what that was is we we want to change the idea that a company like so marketing for companies a company's company telling the consumers what we do we're like, yeah. we like we kind of we're, we're forcing out this information this, this 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 content this material saying this is who we are this who we are this who we are and hoping that people consume it mm. uh we're telling you what you think you know and the idea of dig Soul was like let's actually just change the whole narrative that's a stupid narrative let's let our users tell us what they think we are let's yeah. let them create the brand let's let our users kind of tell the story of Dix Connect. and so <laughs> we created a competition and there was five challenges and mm-hmm. the winner won fifty thousand rand in cash in a briefcase literally <laughs> we like had, just because it was so childish you know we like we wanted to like open this briefcase of money and <laughs> it was it was very immature, but we we had a great laugh and the pictures were funny also. Um, <laughs> so you had to do five challenges. And each of the five challenges was you living the Digs Connect brand. So nice. you had to kind of like create content around what it's like to live the brand. And the thing was I think is like the amount of entries you saw across this country, people are incredible. And that's not I realized the thing I said earlier, like you just like let people if you just nail people to do something incredible, they will blow your mind with how amazing they are. People are so creative. People are so brilliant. Like, they just need a platform. They just need a way to get it out. They just need an opportunity. And Dixel kind of was that we're, like, we gave people, like, these opportunities to kind of, like, win these challenges. And the content they created, I mean, the one... The one, <laughs> the one challenge, for example, was um, you had to flip your bed. Just, like, flip it over, you know? And, like, take a video and... Some people just like, flip their beds over. We had like thousands of entries across the country. People were just like, flipping their beds over. Some people just got childish. This one person like had his friend drive him across Jamie Plaza with his bed on the roof of a car. So he's like racing across in front of like Jamison Hall. Slams back. The bed kind like, flies off this car. <laughs> you know, it's like absolute carnage on Jamie Plaza. This other guy set up his entire bedroom, recreated also in front of um, Jamie Plaza. And He's like lying, there, like during, you know, between the classes. So it's like, packed yeah. this, this guy's like sleeping there, aren't you? I mean, it's like, like, what's going on? I mean, I still woke up and just like flipped everything. Oh, it was you know, so funny. And other challenges we had, oh my God, I mean, this is insane. He said to, um, he said to everyone, you need to recreate the the Digs Connect brand. Like, yeah. the actual brand, just something funny. Some people would like sketch it out. Some people would like um, do like a sandcastle. Um, mm-hmm. Some people would yeah one guy sent us a video and we we're like, oh, okay, what's a video? He had tattooed the logo on his toe. <laughs> so we posted it. Next thing, a bunch of people starging dicks to tattoos. Like <laughs> we were like, What is going wow. on? Our lawyers called us in a panic, like, Are you telling us to get tattoos? Like, we are not telling anyone <laughs> to get a tattoo, you promise. And they're like, What was going on? Yeah, it was it was insane. And then the one time I saw him painting himself in our brand pink, and was like also running over Vits campus. It was <laughs> it was just mad. And then we would give people these stickers. And I remember I used to get phone calls from restaurants around Hatfield at one point, Victoria. And um, restaurants would call me like angrily, being like, "Did you come to a restaurant and put a sticker up?" I'm like, "I haven't been to Hatfield in like at least six months. What do you mean? Yeah. Like, Your stickers are all over campus right now." And so people would be putting these stickers up. Everywhere, because they said send digs pics. I thought it was hilarious saying send digs pics. <laughs> they covered the whole campus, obviously horrifying the establishment. Yes. Um, but as I use it, it's like a movement. You know? We were just kind of giving them the platform to be creative, giving them the platform to do something you know, hilarious to get their friends excited. Oh my yeah. gosh, the punch also was you had to shout out, let's play a game, because the whole thing was a game in a public space. Yeah. So some people would sort of, like, you know, go, you know, like some, some would go to, like, just like, a cafe or, like, a quiet place, but some went to, like, these massive lecture theatres and would, like, sprint up to lecture, grab the mic, and shout, like, we're going to play a game, and, like, sprint up again, like, security kind of, like, diving them. <laughs> it was just – it was it was incredible. People are incredible. I think it's just, like, we shouldn't be telling you are disconnected. You should be telling us, you know? Like, we're creating a brand together. Um it was, it was just—it was phenomenal. It really, really was just like phenomenal to see what people were, were doing. So that was definitely my finest one. Mm-hmm. Second one was—I mean, the one you were there also. So you remember it as well as yes. as well as anyone. But our money drop, which is our first yes. major marketing campaign, we hadn't even closed our first fundraising round at that stage. So we were running on like, shoestrings. We had basically—it took us months to save up the money, literally. Mm-hmm. And you know, we got ten thousand rand on ten rand notes. Um, and, you, I mean, you remember the crowd. Oh, <laughs> we great. were expecting a couple hundred people. There were like 4,000. I mean, it was, was just was people. Wild. It covered, I mean, just all the way down the steps of, of Main Hall, all, all over that plaza, coming out of the library, That's all awesome. across the stairs, from the mass building to the English department. It was just packed. I think, I mean, it was uct was calling us hysterical saying like we have paramedics on site i was hysterical i was being rugby tackled <laughs> i was taken out i mean my co-founders were also like <laughs> 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 it, was, it was insane i mean that was, it was our first real like big campaign out of our users and like i said we'd expected you know like maybe 100 200 people to come that was that was mad like oh.
0: I, I still remember that moment. It was—I—I I, I don't think I've seen that many people like in one place, crammed in. A, especially, I think right next to the cafe, like the—the the, like on the right-hand side of the plaza, and it was just insane. And like the moment, like the money drop happened, it was chaos. Like it was absolute
1: <laughs> absolutely chaos. I—I I think I aged ten years. In that one hour. I, I saw- remember
0: social media before that was like, it was just buzzing. Like everyone was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. They're about to drop 10 random notes. It's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. It's like, where? It's like, no, it's happening. Everyone, like everyone was just moving. I think a lot of, I, I even saw lectures like there. It's like, like lecturers <laughs> like, like, skipped class, like their own class to be there. And I think like, I remember I remember a student telling me that they went to their class and the lecture wasn't there. And the lecture came back and his like his two shirt buttons were like gone. <laughs> and everyone knew. It was he didn't even have to say anything. It was just like, okay. <laughs> like it was like, cool, that's fine. We don't
1: have to <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean to this day still we got people saying like, remember that that event? I, I think I've, like, blocked it out of my memory, honestly. Because, like, afterwards, Greg and I left campus campus. Yeah.
2: Because
1: you know, we were still getting followed. And people were still, like, trying it's to like, tackle us. We, like, we put our jackets on. So we would come out disconnect T-shirts. And so people wouldn't keep coming for us. But we were, like, we need to go to this campus right now. Because we're going to get mobbed. <laughs> so we, like, drove down the road. And we got the car. And we're, like, <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> like, no broken bones. everyone okay? Like, we didn't go on social media for at least an hour afterwards because we were just, we were too scared of the consequences like of just yeah. things blowing up. It was too many messages. We had like, we went back to the office. We had like a war room set up. We had, <laughs> I mean, we had um, like our like our two interns. because was just us and then two interns because we didn't have any cash to like really have a team. Yeah. And they had literally gone and bought like some like gin tonics and they we were like waiting there with like the booze. And we just kind of like, sitting there like shell shock like drinking being like what just happened? Um, and it was I mean it was just so much fun. It was so yeah. much fun. Like yeah. like it just like that's how marketing should be. It shouldn't be this like I feel like some marketing's so sort disparaging. Of you know, it's always companies telling you are not good enough unless you use this product or you should use a service. And yeah. we should have fun. Like do something like out there. Do something that's just like memorable and like like people are like, oh remember that times we happened on campus, you know? And, yeah. Yeah. It um, just so fun. Um, and then our third – my third favorite campaign, T-Rex um, Races. It has to be the T-Rex Races. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, we got to, we found – I can't remember how it started. I think one day Greg and I were walking around um, – Greg, you know, we were walking around a um, – like a no those like cheap Chinese import shops you know because we'd often get like get gifts to like giveaways to our users and we're looking just for cool gifts to get out and then I think I saw this t-rex outfit and I was like oh my god this is so funny so as a prank like I was like we didn't think it was mine we just like, like let's just buy it it's so it's so stupid it was a big blow up we're like, this is ridiculous so I bought it and just because you're we like I was so challenged I literally put the t-rex outfit on and the whole day I was, like walking around this t-rex outfit like at the office and it was hilarious. We were recording videos of so ourselves, like coding in this T Rex outfit. And it was just, it was just like stupid. And then, as we do, we work in the office. And then, like around like, 6 6.30, I was kind of like PM, I was like, kind of leaning back in my chair. And I was like, guys, just imagine this imagine like Vets, that main plaza across Vets, that beautiful, like, big building we yeah. have. And mm. 50 T Rexes just yeah. running across the campus. <laughs> and everyone was like, what? <laughs> just T-Rexes running across the campus with Diggs Connect Branding. And Greg's like, let's do it. <laughs> we that was the start of the T-Rex race. We've had two now. We want to do a lot more next year. Um, yeah. We've had one in Britain on UC team, where people, they had to run in relays because we could only do like 10 at a time. So yeah. we have relay races on these T-Rexes and the T-Rex pin where they have to get changed into <laughs> their outfit. And then students basically like race across campus um, in these in these ridiculous TX outfits. It is so much fun. I mean, again, it's like, people, like, their mates are there and everyone's getting, like, videos of themselves wearing these, like, ridiculous outfits. And it's just, like, it's fun, you know? Like, it's our brand. We we just want to, like, have our users have the best time ever to enjoy themselves. Mm. Um, my slack is going off there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just having users have the best time ever. And so that was... <laughs> Yeah, that, that was really fun. It's quite, a, it's um, quite an incredible. I, I must say, I think it,
0: it's probably you know the one thing that's probably defined a big part of, um, you know the the the, the digs connect journey, and you know the the set. And I think it it says a lot about your belief in 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 the business. You know, when when you're willing to 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 do something like that, whereas like you know what. Let's do it, let's go, and it says a lot about you know the almost trajectory you know dare I said of of where you're going in the sense that you know it's 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 rapid it's it, it almost characterizes the business of itself so as as I segue into disconnect itself um and the birth of it and you know how it started i am I'm curious so. You, uh, you know, And I've, I've, I've read about this The year. This, this came to you, you know, whilst you're on the SRC and, you know, this idea sort of, you know, popped into your head. But I'm curious about the foundational purpose behind it. You know, what is the what would you characterize as the purpose of Disconnect um, and also about the name? You know where where did the name come from? I'm actually curious as well. I know Diggs, and I know you're connecting Diggs, so Diggs connect. It makes sense, but I'm curious how that sort of you know um, came came to came came to life, as it were. Mm.
1: So Diggs connect. I, the name kind of came to me. Hey, like yeah, I just I, I originate a lot of ideas, like a lot of ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, first thing I do, like in your idea, I call Greg straight away, literally like two o'clock in the morning. He gets so cross with me, or like or like he's out on a date night or with his fiance, I'll just call and be like, I got an idea. <laughs> and yeah. half the time he'll be like, that's a terrible idea, forget it immediately and I'll write it down for later, because I'll bring it up later. Or the other half the time um, yeah. uh, oh, I need to talk about, sure about a toilet paper campaign. But yeah, that was another fun campaign we did, the toilet paper one. Because I was thinking about an idea I told Greg about and he was like, terrible idea, I wrote it down. I wrote it a month later and he's like, okay, cool, let's do it. <laughs> um, so, half my idea is not that great. Other half, he's like, that's good, let's run with that. Mm. So, if the name of the digs connect, yeah, I think I was, yeah, like, you know, we use the word digs all the time. You know, it's, I, it's, it is quite a strong, like, the University of the Western Cape uses a lot. So, like, Stellenbosch and, and UCT use it a lot. And, but you do use the rest of the country. I mean, like, Tux used yeah. it, used the Durban obviously uses a lot. Joburg, we kind of introduced, Joburg kind of used the word digs, um, not as frequently as, like, the more university-esque places. Yes. Um, yeah, dig, you know, we use all the lights. And so it kind of, yeah, I was like, I think, yeah, it kind of just like, it kind of just like popped up, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And what made it really stick, though, was that when I was proposing the idea to the rest of the SRC, um, one of the guys in the SRC didn't say speak quite fast, and he was like, "Digs Connect. And I was like, no, no, digs Connect. And he was like, Digs Connect! And I was like, no, no, no. And that's when I was like, this thing is hilarious. I have to keep it. Like, it's just even now, like sometimes we when you know we do cold calls to get new listings. Um and we first introduced the idea of DICS Connect, people are like, Where are you calling from? <laughs> and it's just I mean we just it's so cheeky, you know, and so we really stuck after that. Um and yeah, the idea of the original foundation, the platform. Like, it was so simple. It was so humble. Like, it wasn't this big idea to, like, now, of course, it's become so much more than we ever thought to be on this mission to essentially change housing for the world. Like, I really – that status I write, and I know sometimes people think that I'm I'm joking or being, you know, just saying it for the sake of it, but I really am on a mission to to redefine what housing means for 9 billion people to make it more sustainable, more inclusive, mm-hmm. um, you know, kinder, you know, more more effective, more efficient. So – that's where it is when it started it was so humble it was so humble like it was just like people just need to find a home and not even people across the world not across South Africa just in Cape Town you know just around you know UCT it's like it was very like about this this where I was right now like I struggled to find student accommodation when I was a student my friends struggled and then when I was going to student governance and I was dealing with a much bigger picture I was like you know a lot of people are struggling yeah. um landlords you know, always looking for tenants, that's what you want as a landlord, you know, and you want to you wanna get people in your homes, and it's important to them also, because now if you're, you know, if you're, a little a middle-class South African who's, who saved up most of your life, yeah. you know, work really hard, you got to your 40s or 50s, you now want to take on a mortgage, you want to buy a property, you want to invest in, you know, in the economy, like, it's important that you get returns on that, like, that's the base of thriving economies, making sure that what you're getting is growing, so landlords do deserve to find, you know, good quality tenants that stay in, so, yeah. and there's no, there's just no good alternative. You know, There's no good option. I mean, I think we were literally still working off posters on walls. Yes. You know, literally, it was like, you would go outside the library, you know, there was a like, poster board yeah. and people would stick up, you know, room available in digs or like four bedroom house um, by lower campus, whatever it was. And we're like, yeah, this is how you do it. This is, this is like, we're like, this is how you find a place to stay, a poster on a wall where you take a little, like a number off the bottom and you call someone, you're like, you have availability. Like, oh no, it actually filled up yesterday. Sorry. And you're like, Great, you know. <laughs> Meanwhile, on our phones, we had Uber, and we were requesting Ubers to go where we wanted. And it's just like this: yeah. some sectors move fast, than others. And again, it's a decision to be like, actually, let's just fix this. So um, it was just like I'm trying to fix this, you know, for myself, my friends, and for this university, just build this little platform just to like fix the problem. Um, the value add is just that it, it makes sense for both sides. You know, landlords want want tenants, students yeah. want to find a home. Mm. What I've come to realize now is that that connection is a lot trickier than I thought. You know, there's tears yeah. of connection. Building a product is, is difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a basic connection, you know, and and we start with a very basic platform. we just you just do listings, but as you yeah. kind of build up more and more and more, you know, you look at like perhaps the most the most um, uh, developed housing platform right now. Maybe maybe Airbnb is a good example because they've excellent design, really good design, really good leadership. Um, good backing. They've obviously they've been going for quite a while now. They've thought through what they do. Mm. Different. They do short term housing. So I mean, like you know, short term housing is, of course is very different to long term housing because where you're going to spend a year of your life at least is very different to where you're going to spend three days of your life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but in terms of how they you know deliver that product, how they connect those two those two individuals, they've also a lot of thought to that. And so you know, in terms of developing our product to get to that stage, how do you facilitate that engagement between two people through a product and through a service? Yeah. Um, so it's just quite difficult, you know, you have to think, of, you have to think about mm-hmm. a lot, find it again and again and again, and you make assumptions, and the important thing is to test the assumptions of the market and see, like, you know, is user adoption reflecting, reflecting your assumptions? Because mm-hmm. um, some of the worst mistakes that founders make, which I have made time and time again, mm-hmm. is you see a problem, you try to solve it with what you think the solution is, but don't actually ever test in the market. You kind of don't actually test the real users, or you don't release a basic version and, and assess the data. Um, and you're building isolation, release, and then have like, no user adoption. Jeff Bezos has this thing he always says, which I love. I say it all the time. My team hates it because I say it like, literally every day. Um, innovation isn't disruptive, uh, user adoption is disruptive. So, all these fancy ideas you know, people had that I had about how to build this incredible product doesn't actually matter if people don't want it. You, yeah. know, you have to build things that have, have buy in, um, which is interesting because, on the other hand, you, know, you had someone like, you know, like Steve Jobs and Apple who flew in the face of conventional wisdom of what people wanted yes. and they, they suffered in the short term but now we've seen the market market leg. I mean they are just made the right calls and so mm. it's interesting you know building building products i, mean, I facing that actually right now you know we're like some of the features that I I believe are the right features to make where some users are getting pushback on being like actually don't like those but I find maybe it's the right thing to do and so it's like when do you believe that you're building something that like is this you know Long term, five, ten year, at scale, millions of users, good product, excellent product, you know, beyond excellent product. Versus right now, you wanna you wanna keep your base happy. It's it's, but also I mean, how big is it? Yeah, it's just it's so interesting, you know. one because on the, one hand, cause on the other hand, it's like you know, building a startup, it's have a few users that really love you, solve their problems, and then you know, building things that are in scale. So it's interesting. It's such a yeah. Such a journey building product, it's such a journey. You just have to keep your eyes wide, wide open to be thinking very clearly and also thinking quite unemotionally, because I think you can get, can get emotionally attached to an idea or to or to a feature to your product. But if, if it's just the wrong product, you just have to be quite brutal cutting it, you know, the right feature, being like, actually we have to iterate. Mm.
2: Um
1: at the end of the day, like you know, the market decides. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's kind of the, the core cool value add is people want to connect, you know, people want to find a home, people want to find a tenant. How do you do that in the best way possible? Um, so yeah. if if and I, I
0: I think it's such a you're right. It's such an iterative process to To not only you know starting starting something is one thing, but you know growing it is another, and you know keeping it keeping it growing is another thing, and it's an iterative process. But I want to talk about uh, briefly behind you know the, the purpose of of what it is that you're trying to do not trying what it is that you are doing actually, um, you know, which is, you know, trying to build a, a sustainable future for, for student accommodation. Right. And I am I'm, I'm curious, you know, on a sort of macro scale, what do you think? So if I had to say, you know, who do you think are the big role players in, in creating that, that future? Um, and how do, we, how do we sort of achieve a sustainable future in terms of uh, student, student accommodation in a, yeah, which is a, a bit of a macro question, I guess. We can take it in chunks. So in mm-hmm. South Africa, one, and, you know, in, in Africa in general, and then, you know, the world as well.
1: So get some more water. Today. I drink a lot of water. <laughs> I'm a big fan of, of water. <laughs> my tactic how to drink a lot of water is I I sip continue throughout the day. So I have my little sippy cup, which isn't very uh, like classy, but it's, it's just having a day means I'm constantly drinking water.
0: Yeah, that's good. It's which I love. I've yeah, my, I've got my Valpre bottle here, which
1: yeah, that's uh, <laughs> it's not <funny>. the same. <laughs> It's actually, I it from Parliament, so it's the Parliament of South Africa. Ah, that looks nice.
0: Oh, that's where the green comes from, I see. Yeah, <laughs> it
1: comes <the> Parliament, but <laughs> I just, I mean, it's a coincidence, actually, because I know the political background, but I just, it's just very convenient. and it, it serves its purpose. I always think of my Parliament. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I
2: absolutely love so that.
1: Student housing, oh, no, so I think South Africa is more interesting case. So globally, there's a lot of work can do there. Um, but South Africa's more interesting. So I think diving into detail on that rather um, would be would be good here. So, South Africa has a strong mandate to to break the the systemic poverty and to break kind of like the legacy of apartheid and be like, how can we how can we develop our country? What is necessary for us to reach our development goals? You know, as, as a country, mm. um, and that's. I believe developing a country means developing the population, you know, because the population that builds the country as well. you know, we're providing the economy through our taxes um, mm. sustainably, because right now we're just in so much debt, which is not a sustainable way. Anyway, so you have to develop the, you have to develop the population, um, and that means educating, you know, ed- education on a mass scale. Mm. is so, so important that we're getting as many young South Africans educated as possible. Like, it is, it is crucial. I'm not saying, you know, everyone has to get, like, a PhD but like through whatever form it is, you know, like for example, I believe we should create a university or college or whatever just for entrepreneurs, you know, like as a whole other subset. But so whatever it is, I mean if it's entrepreneurship they be teaching people or if it's uh, anything if you just you know, um uh, you know, through through whatever kind of like higher education or whatever kind of vocational training, but just like we we're enabling people to become self-sufficient in yeah. our country, enable people to become like active participants in the economy to look after themselves. Um to, yeah, I think it's just so, 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 so important. And obviously, like, everyone knows this. I mean, this isn't controversial that we have to educate. Educating is important. I think the world over, people recognize that across party lines, whatever it is. Like, we need to to push an education agenda massively, Um, especially for women and girls. I mean, the data shows that the more girls are educated, it just is like this ripple effect. It just makes everything better. Yeah, absolutely. So there's this big... um, yeah, it's a massive agenda for, for education, but of course, you know, we, we have a marketplace economy and nothing, nothing's for free, you know, so that means that we have to look cleverly at how we use state resources to push this agenda. And mm-hmm. the state has that. You know, we obviously, we, we have the establishment of NISIS, which is the National Natural Aid Scheme, mm-hmm. um, which funds students to get, you know, tertiary education. And the theory of that is brilliant, obviously. We need to get that through. And, and the numbers are, are phenomenal. 800,000 students... Um, i mean, funded by this I mean, that is that's that's incredible, you know. Because the compound effect, especially you know, if one person graduates, gets a job, and supports you know up to what, five to ten people. Like it is just, it's the, the these value adds kind of ripple through society. Then, um, and they can then maybe help their you know their family get, So just it's just it's just like this ripple effect, you know. You help one person, helps my other people. So through that's brilliant. Um, the interplay between uh, like, between funding, though, and housing, needs work. It needs yeah. a lot of work. Um, I think a lot of focus has gone on to making sure that students, their academic the academic expenses are taken care of, the tuition taken care of. And obviously, that's the most important thing. You need to study. But, like, again, like one exists in a vacuum. You know, you go to class, sure, but then, you know, where are you going home to sleep at night? Is that place safe? Is it academically conducive? Do you have a, a quiet studying environment? Yeah. Um, is it, is it closer to campus, so you can actually, if you write a, a late test, you've all written tests, they finish at 9pm, can you get home safely, especially South Africa and especially for women, can you get home safely? Yes.
2: Um,
1: yeah. do you have access to nutritious meals, so you can actually make sure you're eating enough.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, is your Wi-Fi good enough? Because, I mean, like, you can't study these days without the internet, that's impossible. So you can yes. access your resources online. So... All these questions. I mean, like I know the job rates are massive. I think it's only like one in three government-funded students actually graduates. And so the, the reasons, of course, for dropping out are complicated. But like housing, I think from some, you know, some of our partners we've spoken to accounts for like between ten to twenty percent of the reasons why people drop out. Yes. Uh, inadequate housing. So there's not a lot of work being done there. Um, and we also saw this. Um, we had students calling in that were government-funded saying how do I find a home, or I've been scammed, or I'm living in a terrible place. I have, you know, this money. Where do I go? Um, and we start encountering you know, the system, and it's huge. It's a, it's, a massive, it's a massively complicated system where everyone is trying their best to do something good here, but there hasn't been real clear leadership on this. So that's when we decided to actually take the lead down. We're going to be like, we're going to say what the problem, like the, we're going to state the problem statements. Like I said earlier, we're going to state the problem statements. Um, clearly, we're going to show what the solution is and the steps to get there. Yeah, um, and so we did that this year. We released a report called "The State of Student Housing in South Africa 2020." Mm-hmm. Um, it's I can send you a link. It's available on our website. I've also done summary documents of it. We've written a few discursive essays on the key points and kind of highlighting exactly what the issue is and then what the solution is for that. Mm-hmm. Because we've it, got an advantage, here, We can't say 800,000 students are being funded. If we're not saying how many are graduating, how yes. many getting a job a year out of university, how many are able to pay off their loans. How many are then supporting their families? Like, that's what counts. The same thing with, you know, if you look at your metrics on a website. I don't care if people land on your website. So you, you got a million page views, cool. Mm. How many users signed up? How many are engaging? How many are transacting? How many are, you know, creating listings? How many are, are finding homes? Like, that's what shows the value, you know, not, not the vanity matrix of that. And so, the same thing now with students, it's like, what matters is, are they graduating? You know, are, are they getting work? Um, and are they staying in that, you know? Uh not talking. <laughs> um so that's what we covens report. So it's an eighty five page report, it's very detailed. Um, yeah, and- I've actually
0: I've actually read the report. It's oh really? Work. Yeah, absolutely excellent.
1: <laughs> what did you think?
0: So and the, the, well, that's actually where the question came from. Is you know from from reading that, um, and I think I this past week I sort of you know skim skimmed through it, and um or well, skimmed through it a second time after having read it the first time yeah. when it actually came out, and I think I actually think you know there's there, there's some important you know key points that that are worth discuss discussing in terms of you know this is some this is a massive problem, and mm. it's a complex problem, um, and what we actually need to recognise is we there's no one person who can do it alone and by person i mean that quite loosely in the sense of you know not a person individual but i actually mean entity um and you're quite right someone does need to take the lead on the topic because we can't all you know be be standing in a straight line trying to move forward somebody has to you know Chart, chart the direction of travel in terms of, you know, how are we actually going to solve the issue? How are we going to solve the problem? Um, and firstly, we have to define the problem. We have to know what the problem is. And we have to know and understand, It's particularly in South African context, um, where, where the problem lies, right? And, you know, the, the foundation and the impact of the problem. So, you know, when you talk about the impact of poor housing or poor access to an academically conducive environment, Look at look at what's happened this year with COVID, where all of a sudden now, the residence has become unavailable. Now all of a sudden, you know, the education has had to take place in the homes of, of students. And that's, that's been the biggest worry of online education It's not been, you know, you can give people access to the internet. So a lot of universities went for that model of giving people access to the internet via mobile data and so on. But actually, is their environment academically conducive? And are they able to find their best potential and find their best self and fulfill their best potential in that environment? And so that's why I think, you know, it's, it's a multi, it's a multi-role approach and there are multiple players in that, in that approach. And I'm, and I'm glad to see that, you know, Digs Connect is forming part of that, of that approach and actually taking a lead on it um, because it is a serious problem. I actually think it, it's such a serious problem that it forms the future of our education system, in 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 a tertiary in a tertiary sense and at a at a at a secondary level sense as well, um, where the academically conducive environment becomes important, and in a basic education sense even more important as well. So, it it really is a problem that we need to solve. But we. We cannot solve it unless we all sort of work together as as, as the key role players. And within that, you know, somebody has to take the lead and chart chart the direction of travel. Which way are we going with this? And do we are we fully understanding the impact and the nature of the problem? So that's actually where the question came from.
1: Yeah, is, absolutely. What you say that makes so much sense. Like it is a collaboration. It is a collaboration we have. Like, and that's we we suggest in our report, we say that okay, here's a problem statement, and we go into detail of you know. How did people being infected? What's it going to cost, you know, this country? I mean, like, everyone knows we need more student housing. So basically, government's like, okay, cool, we're going to put aside 157 billion rand. Um, what's it going to cost 157 billion rand public spending to get this done. And, I mean, that's a stupid amount of money. I mean, like, that is, that's a lot. That's an insane amount of money for our, for our country and for our economy right now. You think about where our economy is after COVID. 157 billion rand, like, I know on the scale of, of governments, it's like, it doesn't matter. But, like, I think that, like, we can apply a start methodology. Let's be scrappy here, you know, to use 100% billion, rand. Right? Let's look at a better solution. Let's not look at a solution that's okay that, you know, kind of ticks the boxes. What is a good solution? What's an excellent solution? And what's beyond excellent? What's brilliant? What is the frontier? They're not, you know, stuff here we can kind of keep up or, you know, something that, you know, you speak from Silicon Valley. What's beyond that? What's a solution that people around the world can be like, South Africa is pioneering. They are pioneering a solution here that other universities, other countries, other governments can look to and be like, let's copy their model. And I think we can do that. And as we said in the report, I think it is a pioneering solution, what we always we suggested. Yeah. We're, we're repurposing assets that really exist. Not only are we saving money, we're generating money, you know, <laughs> on this solution. Like,
2: exactly. an,
1: okay, an okay solution to this is like, let's stop the problem, let's save money. A brilliant solution is let's like, fix this sustainably with, like, no, like, re- like, continuing input and generate revenue from this. Like, it mm-hmm. literally a literal matter of being, like, making the solution better. And that's what we propose to, to government is, like, saying you don't have to build afresh because we know right now that across the country, people have space in their homes. Everyone has, like, a spare room. Everyone has a spare, you know, they can convert to whatever. They, I mean, I lived in a converted garage when I was a student. It was awesome. These, like, this family had, like, done up so nicely, had, like, its own ensuite bathroom, and it was just, like, it was lit. Um, so people have it really was There it was at a dig. So there's like four rooms in the digs and ours in the converted garage, and then we had a bar at the back. So we had lots of fun. It was right by local, it was right by middle campus. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean most people have space in their homes, you know. They have like, you know, a bedroom, they have whatever, um, massive amounts, you know. People have they've bought properties, they have two flats, people are buying buildings, they're converting those. I mean, we have some of our best clients right now. Um, who are buying buildings in areas like, you know, Salt River, so not your traditional, traditional student areas, but on the fringe of student areas, developing those buildings, they're kind of like factors I'm working, or turning into like student residences with 80 to 100 beds, beautiful places, you know, that are looking now for tenants. And we know that with the climate economy right now, people are, are, are struggling financially. Like, we're not of Africa are struggling. They need the extra income to come in. So it's like, Again, we're just connecting the people, you know, we're just connecting the dots here, saying, like, people need a home, they need to have standards. Using marketplace technologies, the power of that is that it's not just one person benefiting. Rather, you're creating creating a context, a platform, you're creating an ecosystem where the right players can come in and start transacting. And, like, transacting is the base of our economy. Once you let people transact with each other safely and securely and, like, with accountability, you're stimulating the economy. You know, that's that's essentially what it is. Like you use what it's buyers and sellers coming together that's trying to create it. Creates. How can we nurture an ecosystem? How can we nurture an environment um, where buyers and sellers can transact and, and interact? And in this case, it's 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 your students, especially your government funded students, um, that are looking for a home. They're looking for a place where they can stay, but also not looking just for like a cut and dry, soulless kind of like you know, where you, you don't feel like bit like a community, a home. Yeah. You're not just a house, a home, where you like you're gonna enjoy your university experience where after a long day of lectures, I mean, we all know it's like a long day, you're exhausted, mm. you've got exams coming up, you're stressed out, you have things going on in your social life, it's stressing you out. You wanna come back to your home and feel mm. safe there and feel nurtured there and feel like you know you have a community there, you know, and feel like you're in your room and you feel like happy there, you know, a happy home, like, and again, like, an okay solution is just getting someone a house, an excellent yeah. solution is making someone happy in their home, you know, and, like, people are, listening, also, on the other hand, like, people are building that, The property developers, South Africans are, like, naturally plucking entrepreneurial people are developing that, property developers are doing this, homeowners are doing this, they're seeing the opportunity, um, but government needs to come to the party and say, okay, cool, let's unlock this, right, now, for example, government's trying to, I think they're trying to build, you know, student residences or they're trying to they had they, they release a document of norms and standards for what property needs to be like, but it's, it's, it's out of touch with reality. I and mean, some of the norms and standards is you have to have a volleyball sized area of land for recreation. Who's mm. got a volleyball sized area of land in Rondebosch by right campus in Brown you know, yeah. like you're telling me that a beautiful, you know, two bedroom apartments right by, you know, right by campus where students could live and afford can't be accredited because there's no volleyball court yeah. <laughs> in what universe? Like, yeah. So we just need to have a conversation about this. Like, let's look at more intelligent ways of doing this. Let's unlock, you know, we're also with the fourth industrial revolution through building right now. Like, the technology exists. Through what they has built already. Like, and again, you don't have to go do it. It has to be done. We've already done it. We've done the work. You know, yeah, We have yeah. the technology already. We have the network. We have the brand. Like, let's unlock this together. Um, so that we can just bring these parties together and again, like it's technology that is on the frontier it's so exciting where like we can just leapfrog like what's what other countries have done We're, like, okay, what are other countries do when they built student housing? now. whatever. What can we do? That's like an excellent solution right now, where like every single outcome we want to achieve from this, like the dream outcomes, so we like oh, it'll be nice to have this, but it's possible, Let's go for those. Let's create a solution that's yeah. like that. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's so much opportunity in street housing in South Africa. There's so much opportunity to do something not just solve a problem, to do something excellent. And
0: and I love the approach that you took in in that report.
1: And you know, and you've actually
0: You've taken the approach that you gave us in this in this episode, <laughs> in terms of you know defining the problem first and then you know going for it. So and 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 understanding what it is and, and the impact of it. So I absolutely love that. I think that gives you the necessary context in terms of how you develop solution um, going forward. Alex, in in closing, um, I I want to ask you a tricky question. I guess it's a tricky question. I'm not sure. <laughs> question I guess it's a simple question we'll see um what's what can we expect to see in the future from, from digs connect um i'm actually really curious You know what 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 can we expect to see coming up
1: oh <laughs> i love future questions i recently <laughs> formed uh, an innovation committee within the company yeah um, just because i love talking about big ideas and, Obviously, a company has to be very focused, you know, like a company has to be hyper-focused on, you know, your one thing. And for us, that is placements. It's, it's getting a tenant in a home, you know, like yeah. someone finds a home, that's great. So we just focus on that right now. But, I mean, humans are dreamers, you know, so I'll always bring up ideas and I'll be like, okay, we can't talk about that now, we need focus. So I formed an innovation committee in the company and then yeah. we meet up every second week to talk about crazy out there ideas that we could get to and then how we could it could slice into our product roadmap. Um, in terms of the future, I mean, the big thing, I guess, is, I mean, there's there's so there's so much possibility. I mean, you're only really constrained by the scope of your imagination. There's yeah. so much you can do here. Like, like, oh. so the African Union released, um, I don't know if it was, I think it was a couple of years ago. They released a set of like goals for the continent, yes. uh, what they want, what development goals for the continent, and. I read those, I was deeply inspired by them. I thought this is so cool to work towards that. And so I think we want to align ourselves the company of like with something like that. You know, what is something like you know, development goals for for South Africa? Sure, but for the world, you know, like what in in the ideal dream world that we could like only like hope to get to, what would housing look like? What would be the best, most incredible? Really, I mean, just, like, think about something like, absolutely insane. Like, yeah. what's, like, the most in- insanely awesome, like, Disneyland experience for, for housing um, for human beings mm-hmm. on Earth and on Mars? You know, what's the, what's the experience? Like, okay, cool. That's the goal. Like, how can we break that down now into, even it takes, like, 50 years, like, break it down to smaller and smaller steps. Like, for example, one thing that that's been on my mind a lot is, it's this growing sense of, like, isolation that millennials and Gen Zs are experiencing. Mm. This growing, like, separation, like, this this lack of community I think a lot of people are feeling. Um, Yeah, there's, like, again, like I said, I like spending time alone. So, like, on the one hand, it's not saying, like, you know, being alone, but it's, like, it's difference between being alone and being isolated, you know? And I think that we've seen there's this rising trend of, like, loneliness in people and in isolation and this removal from from, like, being like you're a part of your society, of your country, of, like, of, of humanity. And the big thing I want to do is how do we bring people together, like, really together? And, like, what's a more fundamental space in your home space, you know? Like, that space should be shared by by humans. And so something I've been thinking about a lot is it's kind of like an idea. is like, how do we create, you know, what what is, like, community-based co-housing? What is community-based living? Or, like, what is... Yeah. And so there's a few ideas, like a few features we're going to start interjecting, like tiny, it's like small steps, you know, small features we're introducing now about like moving towards that. I and mean, we have like our Find a mate feature for now, which is a very tiny step towards like Find a mate, go on there, find a roommate, start connecting with people. I've mm-hmm. um, had people already, like for example, like actually, um, we met this one girl who had met her roommates at then they love live together and are best friends. And yeah. They actually then applied for an internship at Digs Connect, and we hired their both. So now they both work at the company also, <laughs> and they met on the Find yeah. page. page. Um, so it started with that, and then moving out towards more and more incredible like features and offerings. Yeah. To kind of reach this goal that like if you find a home on Digs Connect, you'll never be isolated. That's a cool goal. Or like another big goal I have is. People that are financially excluded from from in the economy because they haven't built up a credit record yet. I mean, I I mean, I don't have to tell you the story, but when I tried to go get a phone contract from telecom, they rejected me mm. um, a few months ago because I had no credit. I went straight from being a student to a dropout to you know, side disconnects. I'd never had like a, a job or anything, mm. and I couldn't get. I had no I had no credits, literally none. I had to buy like a little. I think it was a little tiny little Woolies cards and buy like a two hundred rand credits a month, and I'd buy like some stuff and then pay it back. And, but like it's insane, you know. Like, yeah. how can we financially enable people? Um, yes. What we have, how can we be more sustainable? Environment sustainable goals mean a lot. How can we? Yeah, I mean, there's just like what are the big, big goals for like you know for humanity? I mean, you think about like you know the slums across the world, like,
2: mm.
1: and and how it affects children's health growing up. You know, they grow up with respiratory disease. They grow up with you know, how how can we challenge that in ways that are sustainable, you know, so it's not just like, you know, pouring you know, a load of cash into something, I mean let just build it yeah. all up. like in a way that that reaches every goal. Is is it environmentally sustainable? Is it like yeah. developing people like developing, you know, the economy and, and, and the infrastructure? Is it is it pursuing like kindness and compassion? Like these goals and kind of breaking it down into like what we do right now. So we have like our long term tenure goals. Um mm-hmm. Right now, some shorted features we have, like, some really cool things. Yeah, working... We really want to push back, a big push towards this idea of, like, inclusion. Mm -hmm. Um, Exciting. We want to do um, a big push towards um, going to areas we haven't really been in yet. So we focus a lot on, like, the main cities in South Africa. Cape Town, Stelis, Joburg, Pretoria, Durban, PE. So Mm -hmm. kind of, like, pushing into other areas. And really, I I love small towns, you know. So Mm -hmm. going to those areas... um, and just refine the product again and again and again. I mean, a beautiful user experience. Like we know, we have the the, the straightforward page where you add a property. And we've yeah. done that times, so let's do it again and again and again. Like you can keep going back and not necessarily change it, but you can make like, make tiny iterations. So it's two percent increase every time. So
0: Lovely.
1: yeah, I'd say that's 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 what we're doing.
0: That's an incredibly an incredibly exciting future that's up ahead. Um, but I also think you know. In terms of how far you've come and how quickly you've you've got there, I think it's, it it really is something that you you should, or uh, well, I guess you know we, we we should be you know grateful for to to actually witness and and to see and for you to to experience. But Alex, I just want to thank you so much. Um, this has been an incredible chat. Wow, like it's just been <laughs> amazing. An, an amazing <laughs> chat. Just to sort of you know. Um, Bound ideas, you know. Actually, talk about, I guess, on a macro scale, the future of our continent. I, I love the part where you spoke about, you know, the African Union's goals, and you know, I've, 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 I've yeah, I, I remember that document quite well. You know, in terms of what does, what does a sustainable Africa look like? What does Africa look like, you know, in twenty? I think it's twenty sixty three or twenty sixty five, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, Shh. you know, and what does that? What do we need to do to create a sustainable and inclusive economy that you know fosters economic growth and prosperity for people and I think you know the fact that you are forming a big part of that solution you know in in your field and in your space is something really to be to be commended for so I want to thank you for um coming on to the show I hope it's been a lovely a lovely experience for you yeah, uh, awesome. and I hope it's been reflective as well in terms of you know your journey and and, and where you've got to and how you've got there as well
1: yeah, no, it's, it's actually so nice to stop the and look back. I mean, we are, every day, it's like, oh, phone's ringing. <laughs> we are just like, absolutely, like, every day, and it's like the grindstone, you know, and kind of just like, let me turn that off. <laughs> it's my phone on, on silence. No, um, give <laughs> okay. no, Give me one second.
2: No, thank <laughs>
1: <laughs> work. of course so yeah I mean, we are absolutely like every day at the grindstone you're, you're kind of like I said you're running as fast as fast as you can you're going as fast as you can um, it's non-stop work um, which is which is cool because you know we, we love to run but yeah. everyone gets up and be like oh my gosh like mm.
2: like
1: real life you know, this is where we come from this is where we're going mm. breathing let's keep going you know um, it is nice. It is nice to chat, and yeah, and especially because you know, obviously, I've known you for so long, and so mm. it's yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. honestly, I'm having my life. I'm having so much fun, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's so much fun. You know, like it's, it's it's. I feel privileged more than anything. You know, it's it's hard work, and sometimes I get exhausted. Mm. Two days ago. I had a long day, and it's the sunset, I went down to the beach to try and have a quick swim before the end of the day. And I laid down on a sand, um, and I ended up uh, passing out on the beach. Just, just fell asleep. I was so tired. I just fell asleep. I don't know <laughs> <you> why. <know, laughs> <you know, laughs> you know,
2: sorry, I'm so sorry.
1: That's okay. <laughs> anyway, okay. I ended up like falling asleep. Mm. Um on the beach and I was so tired so some days absolutely exhausted. But um by and large, I mean I feel privileged. I feel just totally privileged that I get to that I get to have the opportunity to do this, you know? Yeah.
0: That's awesome, that's awesome, and it's and it's incredibly inspirational. Yeah, just want to thank you once again. And um to to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us for um episode twenty-three um of Impactful Conversations. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure, and thank you once again for supporting the platform. I hope the platform has impacted um, you. It's inspired you. It's educated you. It's given you some insight, and absolutely no doubt that the episode today has done that. But from us, thank you so much, and goodbye. Cheers. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening to the episode. I hope that you are impacted positively and that you found substance and significance whilst listening to the episode. Head over to the Impactful Conversations website at impactfulconversations.co.za to find out more about the show. To stay up to date with the latest episodes, please subscribe to the podcast and give it a 5-star rating. You can also check out and subscribe to my episodes in video format on the Impactful Conversations YouTube channel. Just head over to YouTube and search Impactful Conversations. Thank you to all who have listened in and subscribed. Why not share the episode with a family member or a friend who you think could be positively impacted? Anyway, until the next episode, bye bye, stay safe, stay healthy, and wash your hands.